Welcome to the Vineyard Northridge Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Dennis Kozlov. For more information about our church, visit our website at vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge. Good morning, church. Now it's official. All right. Okay. Uh, Today's message is really, really important, and I'm a bad cop today. I'll be a bad cop, sorry. So before I preach, I'll have to say something about me. About a year ago, Neil noticed the idiosyncrasy in me as a speaker. (laughs) And last Sunday, actually, Linda came to me and said, I usually don't do that, but like, I noticed something about you when you speak. Uh, I hate, what is it? Am I doing something wrong? Oh, Mike, too far away from my face. How is that? Move your head. Okay. Is it good? Yeah. Okay. I was forced to another story. Neil has a big head. <laughs> Every time he speaks, that thing is loose on me. <laughs> I have to readjust it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, I was saying, Linda approached me, so she said, I noticed something, Dennis. I, I'm sorry to tell you that, but like every time you speak, you tend to preach to that side of the congregation all the time. Did you notice that? Uh, Neil thinks it's because of Derek. Derek has something to do with this. I'm preaching at Derek. But I, I was doing it even before Derek showed up, so I don't know. I was thinking about it, and I think, it just uh, maybe it's a lame excuse, but I think what happened, my first car that I ever got, and... Those of you who are here for the first time, you detect an accent. I come from Russia. I was raised and born in, in first in Soviet Union, then I became Russian. So when I got my first car, I got a lemon. Well, first of all, any Russian car is a lemon. <laughs> but I got a real lemon. So that car, the guy who sold it to me, he didn't tell me that it was in the rack. And after the rack, he fixed it somewhat, but it could only turn right. I'm serious. I'm not kidding you. <laughs> so for the first two weeks before I fixed it, I had to pull up my map and figure out how to I get to from point A to point B by right turns only. <laughs> that was a challenge. <laughs> so I think it left a like, kind of traumatic experience. So it has something to do with me just going to one side all the time. So well, anyway, anyway, it's not a message yet. It's just like... Uh, some kind of excuse for me just speaking to this. I, I will try my best to be more focused and spread my attention evenly. I, I try, but when I carry it away, I just do what it's natural. Well, anyway, enough said. Okay. Now official ch- side begins. All right. Uh, you guys were born and raised in America. Most, most people who are born and raised in America, they don't travel internationally much. That's just the fact. I mean, I heard that only uh, one out of three Americans have ever gotten passport. Okay, how many of you have been outside of the United States? That's pretty cool. Wow, that's impressive. That's impressive. But I bet it's Canada or Mexico. Okay, okay, well, well yes, no, yeah. Okay, since I come from Russia, let, let me use Russia as an example. Okay, how many of you know about Russia? Vodka. Some people said vodka immediately. I don't know why. (laughs) Okay. How many of you have been to Russia? One, two, three, four, five. Oh, Virginia, you were in Russia? I didn't know that. 
Well, five people out of this group. Okay. This is a very good illustration of the state of Christians today. I'll, I'll explain you in a second. I'll explain it to you. Most Christians, the overwhelming majority of Christians, have a lot of knowledge about God and the things of God and the ways of God and the principles of God because they dedicate their time on a regular basis to learn about it. Very few Christians actually have experiential knowledge of those. Did I say the truth or not? I'm sorry, I said the truth, but yeah. So it's, it's, it's very much like that. You can know stuff, you can learn stuff, you can read stuff, you can listen to stuff, but you can never experience the stuff. I mean, you never experience the stuff. So there's something that makes this different between Christian who just knows it theoretically and a Christian who actually begins to experience things that he listens about. And today's principle, I believe, is the very thing that determines in which of those two camps you're going to stay most of your Christian walk. That's why it's super important to grasp and to try to begin to apply it in your own life. Like, <clears throat> just, you know, experiential knowledge is very different from theoretical. For example, there are nuances and things and uh, aspects of life that you just cannot convey by the book or by even by the video. For example, every May in my part of Russia, they catch this specific fish that's called korushka. Don't try to pronounce it. <laughs> and it's, it's available only for like one month in a year, around May. And it's freshly caught and it's sold in the marketplaces. And as you pass by through this marketplace, and if you pass by the section where they sell fish, you immediately detect that particular fish. It smells like cucumber for some reason. I'm serious. I'm like, for some reason, it has a strong tinge of cucumber, like fresh cucumber. Oh, they sell kodushka. Everybody buys it and fries it. I was suffering for the last 10 years before I moved here because I've been traveling to America every May, and I was missing this season. <laughs> so that part of my experiential side of Russian life and culture was kind of fading away. So you see, those of you who know Russia only as a theory... You remain in that theory. But some people dared, some of you, Virginia, Derek, Neil, they dared to take a risk and to step into unknown and to trust somebody who would help them to get there and temporarily suspend their current environment and the current culture and immerse themselves into something that they're not comfortable with because it's uncharted territory. That's your Christian walk. There's a lot of uncharted territory for you and me to be brought into. Right? Money, are these your two bodyguards? You look like a cool dude and these two guys are like watching nobody touches money. <laughs> Guardian angels. <laughs> cool, man. Uh, all right. <laughs> I get distracted a lot today. All right. So here's the principle that we're going to talk about. And that principle, I believe, determines whether you stay in theoretical knowledge of God and the ways of God and the things of God, or you move into a practical one. It's found in the book of Galatians, chapter 2, verse 20. Many of you know the scripture. I'm going to read it for you. I, 
have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm going to read it again. I have been crucified with Christ. That's a past tense. That's what happened to you. You, if you identify yourself as a Christian, if you got baptized, you got baptized into his death and resurrection. You have been crucified with Christ. And he says, and now it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. That's the principle. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Watch carefully. There are two players in this short sentence and one word of negation. Two players, I and Christ, and one word of negation. So it's either you say no to yourself and then it becomes yes to Christ in your life, or you say yes to yourself and it becomes no to Christ. Simple as that. And very practical. So today's lesson in the book, <clears throat> and we're doing this series of messages based on this book, Principles of Spiritual Growth. And this principle is, uh, no, uh, is, is entitled Self. The Knowledge of Self. You know, Christians talk a lot about sin. And sin is a big enemy of your spiritual life, but it's not the biggest enemy. Actually, sin has been dealt with. The authors of this book, we are not totally and fully agreeing, Neil and I, with everything they say in the chapter, original chapter. Because we believe Christ has dealt thoroughly with sinful nature by the cross. But there's something remains. It's, it's, called, it's called self. And it's not necessarily very bad, it's not necessarily very sinful, but it's not adequate and it's not sufficient for God to manifest himself through this thing that we call self. It's just an empty vessel to be filled with God's grace and presence. And if you don't acknowledge that, all you have is an empty pot, as an empty bottle, as an empty cup. So you can't really quench any spiritual thirst of anyone with yourself. Amen. This makes sense? So the mark of somebody who grows spiritually is an ever-growing distrust into your own abilities. You see, we're part of the upside-down kingdom. Anything that's, most of the things that are true in this world are not true in the church. That's why church should never try to emulate the success ways of this world. Who is a big good leader in this world? Somebody who is very confident and very competent. Who acts and speaks like he knows what he's doing. And we want to follow him. Because we feel sometimes we're lost. We need somebody who knows what they're doing. What is the... What is the thing that we gauge the growth and development of a person in this world, in this culture, any culture? He starts or she starts as a very dependent being, dependent on their parents. 
they depend on everything for everything on their parents but as they grow they become more and more independent and finally they move out and finally they get their own family and finally they get their own education job and everything so basically they constantly gaining the level of control of their reality to run this reality and to get things done and to pursue their goals the culture sets rules for every individual self to navigate to get those things done I hope I'm not very complicated right now. And if you're good, if your parenting, I mean, your upbringing was good, if you learn those unspoken rules of the culture and you learn to navigate through them while pursuing your interests and goals, you become successful in this life according to the standards of this world. And then such person becomes a Christian, let's say. And he wants to serve God. And he begins to do the same thing for God. And let me tell you, it is horrible. It is horrible. Because there is no real presence of God in this work for God. I'm, I'm, I'm actually, it's, uh, I'm getting distracted by some of the thoughts that I'm having right now. But it's okay. All right. So I'm coming back to this point. The secret of dynamic Christian life is found in these words. Not I, but Christ. Not I, but Christ. Not I, but Christ. So, <clears throat> I find these three stages of spiritual development in the book of Romans. First, I call it a happy sinner. Paul says that before the law comes into my life, I was alive. I had fun with life. Like, I, I enjoyed myself. I enjoyed my friends. I pursued whatever I want to pursue. And it was fun. I mean, every once in a while you have some negative consequences like hangover or whatever. And if you get busted, you go to jail. That's, that's a bummer. But in general, like, I enjoy myself. I am the center of my life. I'm fine. It's a fun, you know. And then he says, the next stage comes when the law of God comes into your life. What does it mean? It, it means that... <clears throat> God begins to let you know something about His nature, either through His Word or through the, some realization. So you begin to grasp the discrepancy between who you are and what you are and the nature and the character of God. You realize, oh my goodness, there is like, I don't match. God is holy, I'm not. So what naturally a person tries to do, he tries to or she tries to, they try to accommodate to the laws and standards of God. And let me tell you something. It's not going to work. <clears throat> and usually this person becomes a miserable, wretched sinner. I called it wretched, miserable sinner. Someone, someone who tries hard to be in line with God. But the harder he tries, the more failure he or she experiences. That's chapter 7 of Romans. It's very unfortunate, but it, it's very painful, but it's, in, it's a good experience for us to have. When we become religious, we try hard to please God, and we fail miserably. That's good, people. I'm telling you, you're part of upside-down kingdom. The way to success is through big failure. <clears throat> failure to please God is a good thing that can happen to you. Because finally you realize, I'm not capable. You give up, you realize your need in Christ, the Savior, and then you, you are able to receive good news of grace. 
He has fulfilled the law for you, as you, on behalf of you. He actually killed you in himself. He received your death so that you now don't have to live as a dead person to, unto God. You are alive now. Amen. And you, you, you know, guilt is removed from you. If you still, that, that's a mark of a religious person. He's constantly oppressed by the guilt. If you identify yourself as a Christian and you're constantly oppressed by the guilt, you haven't really gotten to the point of understanding the cross of Christ. Because if you're pressed down by the sense of your guilt, that means <clears throat> you still don't believe, fully believe the cross of Christ. You're carrying the burden that he carried already. You're trying to carry something that he doesn't want you to carry. He took care of your sin. He set you free. What a blessed realization it is when you begin to understand the gospel. What a, whoa, what a relief. You begin to breathe. There is no shame anymore. There is no more guilt. I don't care what you say about me. I have a breastplate of righteousness. My heart is protected. You can blame me. You can shame me, whatever you want. I'm not taking any of that. I'm a Teflon. Nothing sticks. That's what the cross of Christ, what the, what the blood of Christ does. In a sense, yes, I, I know it sounds weird, but you become shameless. Nobody can shame you into anything. <laughs> and actually, Americans like it. That sounds really American. I don't care what you have to say. Christ. <laughs> yeah, but if you stop there, you're good for yourself. There's no guilt, no more guilt, no more pressure, no more. But there's no power of God either. Because all you have is yourself. I mean, fine, you can enjoy your life. Because you didn't learn this verse, this lesson. That now it's time <clears throat> to become a disciple of Christ. You say, there are millions of people in this world who are saved by the grace of God. And there are very few disciples of Christ. Disciples of Christ. Discipleship. <clears throat> true discipleship. I mean, every Christian call whatever they're doing Christian way discipleship. It's not a discipleship. Discipleship when you learn practically in your life to say no to yourself on a regular basis, to, to say yes to Jesus and to experience his move in your life and through you. That's how you become a member, practically, a member of the body of Christ. All right? Thank you, Jessica. Yeah, that's how I learn your names. <laughs> <laughs> So God gave me this, this uh, illustration, this example when I was preparing for this. We live in a small town here, Springfield. It's a relatively small town. I come from a city of 6 million people. It's a nightmare to live in a city of 6 million people. So I enjoy living here. Traffic is not heavy. And we have a lot of intersections where there are no traffic lights. There are only four-way stops, right? You all experience that. And you all experience situation when you drive to the stop sign just as another car drives to the stop sign. And like, I wish you would do like a little earlier, a little later, but you don't know. It's like, beep. Exactly the same time. I don't know how they do that. They synchronize. So, and then this weird game begins. Yeah, no, you'll go ahead. You'll go ahead. Well, here's... Yeah, everybody tries to be nice. I know. So here's what it is in your relationship with Christ. So you, you, you run your own agenda. You have your own 
plan for day and you're running and you have point A, point B, point C. But through your day, there are moments when they're like intersection. And there are four, <clears throat> four ways stop. How do you call it? Whatever you call it. And usually it's empty. Like the room is empty. No other cars, just you. So you stop and you go. But listen to me. Every once in a while, you slow down, you come to a full stop, and you realize all of a sudden there is another car, and it's going into a different, in, in a different direction, and that's Christ. And He is not going to impose Himself on you. He is letting you go. So it's really up to you, if you detect that, if you notice that, to say, yes, Lord, go ahead. And as soon as you do that, in a split second, a miracle happens. You're no longer in your car. You're in a passenger seat in that car with Jesus. And he looks at you and he smiles. And he's taking you to a place you have never been before. And that's actually taking you to experiential knowledge of what you heard from the pulpit last Sunday. He might take you to somebody. He might make you give 100 bucks to somebody you never knew. He may do whatever. There's no more control of yours. Not so much. You're free to stop him and get off the car. But let me tell you, this is the most beautiful thing when you begin to learn to operate in this way. It takes to release control in certain area and to practically trust him and to practically exercise this principle. No longer I in that moment, but Christ who lives in me. That's how it works, people. That's why, that's why everybody who ever went to any kind of mission trip, short-term or long-term, usually experience the reality of God way more than at home. Amen. That's almost the rule. You know why? Because you don't have the environment that you control anymore. You, it's easier to trust the Lord in those moments because you're vulnerable you're not running the show. You're not calling the shots. You're not competent. You're not confident. You go, ah, I'm like a baby in this situation. I don't know. It's scary. But he's amazing in those situations. He's amazing. Some of you praying tongues. Some of you receive the gift of heavenly tongues and you don't exercise it. You need to. You need to. Because that's when, like, your mind screams at you, like, what are you doing? It makes no sense. But, you know, you start doing it and the rivers of living water will flow. I, I'm telling you. Some of you need to restart doing that in your private life. When you worship, when you pray to the Lord. Your mind doesn't understand what you're praying, but your spirit is praying hard. Your spirit is praying and, ooh, that's good. Ask Nancy. <clears throat> Seriously, if you want a gift of, of heavenly languages and your prayer language... Come to Nancy, she'll pray uh, after church for you, and you'll get it. Well, anyway, it was a free bonus. I, I think I said what I wanted to, to tell you. So, I, let me see if I have a nice conclusion. Oh, yeah, I do, I do. <clears throat> Thanks for the notes. Uh, our friend Kyle Peters, pastor, young pastor from Urbana, uh, next door, Urbana, not Champaign, I mean, not Illinois, but Ohio, Urbana. 
he, he, he is a great guy. If you have a chance to follow him on Facebook, do that. Because what he does, he, he exercises this thing. He, he does that on a regular basis. He just goes running whatever he's doing in life, but he stops on a regular basis to see whether Jesus is doing something that he can join. And he experiences those things on a regular basis. So he wrote the other day, and I copied that and pasted it into my message. <clears throat> Where is it? Yeah. He, he, he wrote last week this. He said, the longer I am in this life, the more I am convinced. The only worthwhile measure of success is this question. Was I operating as a son? My only success is to live out of the identity of a beloved son. That was amen, digitally. <laughs> Whether it's a handyman work, parenting, talking with someone at the store, preaching or pr playing. My success is not dependent upon my own competence, nor upon the response of someone else. It is only about my intimate connection with Him. So I ask myself, was I dependent upon the Father to provide in that moment? Was I connected and aware of His presence in the moment? That's what we are not aware when we are confidently running our day without stopping and without listening the Lord. Was I in line with what he says about me? There is so much freedom in entrusting the results to him. That's basically all I wanted to tell you. I wanted to stir it up. So it's really up to you guys whether you stay in the big, big camp of people who are saved but not quite disciples yet, people who love to worship but don't really experience the Lord. Or you would gradually move to the camps, much smaller camp of people who are becoming true members, members of the body of Christ in Springfield, Ohio, or wherever you come from. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information about our church, visit vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge.